Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 28, Blue Jays Nation Radio, take two. And no one's ever going to know this is take two because I fucked up the intro on the first one. I'm Tyler Remchuk. He's Cam Lewis. Uh, we're back for the first time in a while. We didn't do one after the Orioles series. Third game got rained out. They split two games against Baltimore. Really didn't feel like it was even worth talking about. Um, but the bonus to that third game getting rained out, Coombsy, is that now they get them in September. And that's when they'll have Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, potentially Nelson Cruz, just a lot of extra firepower, right? Yeah, the doubleheader on it's September 11th, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have probably Max Scherzer starting the first game, and then like yeah, Barrios game, game two. Yeah, that'll be yeah. sick. So it'll be and it'll be because Ray pitched the day before, so like no yeah. worries there. And by then, Hyunjin <laughs> Ryu's in the bullpen. It's just like <laughs> completely uh, not what we expected at the beginning of the year, but that's definitely how it's gonna pan out now. But uh, yeah, so we didn't do a pod uh, after the Baltimore series, but we're going to make it up to you, the listener, and we're going to give you a bonus pod before the Texas Rangers series. So we'll do kind of like a first half recap. We'll get someone on to talk about some other teams in the American League and all that stuff and get set. And yeah, we'll talk draft as well, which is coming up tonight. Actually, we'll know probably by the time people are listening to this, they should know who the Jays have uh, have selected. So we'll get to all that in our uh, pod next week, either Wednesday or Thursday, probably. Uh, but for now, let's dig into three up, three down. It's presented to you by Twig and Berries.ca. Promo code Nation15 gets you 15% off. Gear up for the next couple months of summer here at Twig and Berries.ca. Let's go back to that Baltimore series now. Coomsey and uh, let's start with the game they lost that's going to be our first down and that was a winnable ball game they put up five runs against Baltimore I mean it was a bit of a late charge to get to five runs but still um, the pitching let them down there and it started with a, a pretty poor performance from Steven Matz yeah that's it that's our that's our big down from the Baltimore series is another bad performance from Steven Matz one thing we kind of got used to from him this season was a good start and a bad start a good start and a bad start he's just been kind of a yo-yo all year but his two starts since coming off the COVID the COVID IL was so in Seattle he did two and two-thirds innings four earned runs that was bad that was his first one off and then there's Baltimore in which he did four innings three earned runs four runs in total three earned you know four strikeouts six hits like two home runs and this is the Orioles it's not very good so I'm kind of wondering if Mads is the weak spot in the starting rotation and if they are going to opt to replace him with somebody else or if they're going to keep letting it ride. 
We'll talk about who that somebody else could potentially be a little bit later on here in the pod. It's also worth noting in that game, and we'll lump them together, but a, a really bad performance from Trent Thornton as well. He gave up three earned runs in just two-thirds of an inning. Uh, when you look over his game logs this season, I mean, especially recently in sort of the last month and a half, not a lot of good there. They now optioned him down, so uh, no more Trent Thornton, and it's kind of a result of that poor performance against Baltimore. I suppose you could say that's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, so they split the set against Baltimore, and then they roll into, into the trot, and they struggled to hit early on in that series. In the first two games, the Jays only offered up three combined runs. On top of that, they only had 11 hits over those two games as well, something I noticed, their inability to hit with runners in scoring position. Uh, they left eight runners on. They were three for 15 with runners in scoring position. Just finding ways to capitalize against a team like Tampa when when the door gets opened a little bit and you guy, got a guy on second with a couple out or whatever it is. When you play good teams like that, you just have to find a way to finish off. Jays didn't do that. Well, the reality is, is that they're playing at the trop. So everything's fucked up. Everything's bad. Yeah. And if those games were being played in Buffalo, they probably would have won all three of them. Yeah. That's just the way it is. There's just automatically the Rays get a weird boost from playing at the trop. There's all kinds of funky shit happening. The ball hitting the roof and bouncing around. Then there was, you know, that guy in the Sunday game who reached over and yeah. it just reminded me of the weird beard kid from Kansas City. It didn't really matter that much, <laughs> but it happened. And it's just, you don't like to see that. And it's just, I would prefer if they burned the trop down, they demolished it, it exploded. I mean, I, 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 that would be ideal. Yeah. Like, that should be one of our, like, if that were to ever happen, that would be all three of our ups on the podcast is the trop no longer exists. I just they, don't want to see them play there anymore. I hate when it. When they make the decision to yeah demolish the trop and then get a new stadium, that will be a great day for everyone else in the American League East, including the Toronto Blue Jays this series. <laughs> no shortage of trop bullshit. Uh, the third down we got, and, and this one is, you know, a little bit more of a conversation as we look into how the Jays are going to have to piece together their stretch drive here to get back in the race but they won't play the Tampa Bay Rays again until September 13th. Uh, that's a long time to go in an important stretch of baseball where they won't have a chance to jump the Toronto or jump the Tampa Bay Rays now. Yeah, that's the big challenge is we wanted to see them do well against the Rays in this kind of six game stretch. And they started themselves off in like a nice, you know, a nice way of doing so. They won two or three against them in that series in Buffalo. And then they had Baltimore coming up and they split. The game got rained out. And then they went and lost two or three. So it was like no ground was gained. It was a three and three out of the six games. And now there's only six games left against the Rays for the entire season, I think. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge now to jump them. It was like, this was kind of a prime opportunity to capitalize on them and they didn't. So now there's a lot of work to be done beating up other teams the rest of the season. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna play them at home, wherever home is, on the 13th, 14th, and 15th of September. And then they're going to play them in in, in Tampa Bay uh, on the 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So only six yeah. more games, like you said, Don't against like them. No, and, and right, now, right now, they're six and a half back of the Rays as well. So they really have their work cut out for them. We're slowly getting to that point where you're nervously checking the out-of-town scoreboard every single game. And uh, while we're on the topic of the American league East standings, the Jays currently, as of us recording this sit four games back of the Oakland A's for that second wildcard spot. And right now uh, the A's are up three, nothing on Texas in the bottom of the fifth. So they're likely going to be four and a half back of the second wildcard spot uh, by the time we're done recording this podcast here. Uh, so not ideal, a squandered opportunity when you, when you drop whatever one to Baltimore and then two to Tampa, like, 
there, there was a chance here for them to really be firmly in the race. Like we talked about on the last podcast, they just had to get hot. And unfortunately they just sort of kept playing average baseball and never took that next step. Yeah, that was, we were hoping for that from the nine game set didn't happen, but at least it wasn't a mess, right? At least they didn't get swept this weekend. There was a, it was some pretty, this is a, this will be a segue for me. Yeah. It was some pretty big dick shit from Robbie Ray to come in and basically salvage the series for them. It really was. I mean, they scored three runs, but it basically, it, it, it was kind of one of yeah. those like ace wins where he came in and he slammed the door. Yeah. And that's our first up is the ace himself, Robbie Ray. I was skeptical about it at first when Cam mentioned it, but I give you credit Coombsy. You were on this now for like a month of about Robbie Ray being this staff's ace and today's performance absolutely cemented that seven innings pitched only allowed the one hit only one walk on top of that, which continues to be just the most insane part of what he's doing is that the fact that this guy went from having like the worst control among all starters in baseball to suddenly he only walks like one or two guys a game. It's, it's incredible. He also racked up 11 K's. It was just, it was flat out dominant against a team that was hitting pretty well through the series so far. It's absolutely perplexing to me that Robbie Ray will not be participating in the all-star game this week. I think it's nuts. Like, look at how good his numbers are for the season. 3.13 ERA, striking out guys like mad blocks are down. Like, he's one of the best starters in the American League. There's no doubt about it. And he's definitely, like, one of the biggest all-star snubs that's that's missing from this week. 100%. Yeah, Yeah, I thought we were going to talk about that a little bit later on, but you're bang on with that. The fact that he's not pitching in the all-star game is it's it's brutal especially when you compare his numbers to some of the other guys who are pitching there uh, we'll talk about the all-star game and the break mm-hmm. there in just a second uh the second up i have let's stick with the pitchers and it's simber and richards who have come in and i mean richards only had the one appearance but it came in game two of the series and i mean the guy walks in with runners in scoring position he had to get them out of a jam and he struck out four out of the five batters that he ended up facing uh, it's nice to see that from Richards early in his Jays sort of career here. Simber again had another solid performance since we last recorded. Uh, he pitched a clean inning against Tampa in that series. It's nice to have a few more reliable bullpen arms. And what having guys like Simber and Richards does is now if they like, they almost don't need to go get more depth in the, in their bullpen. They just need that one sort of finishing piece, right? Yeah, I think at this point, they've done a very good job at adding, like you said, depth to the bullpen. So they've got, you know, Simber, Richards, the other one, Barnes is okay. Simber and Richards are the bigger names there. Obviously, that really kind of bridges your gap. Your sixth and seventh innings gives you some more arms that can consistently actually get guys out. And now really what they need is, okay, you have Jordan Romano towards the end of the game. Maybe later on in the summer, you'll have Julian Merriweather, but I wouldn't put too much of a stock on that. I don't think at this point, given the injuries, we can say that Merriweather is going to be the bullpen savior consistently. So if the Jays do go and make a big splash for a reliever, it's not, you know, overhauling and rebuilding the entire bullpen. It's finding one guy for the eighth or ninth inning, you know, maybe like a Craig Kimbrell or somebody like Mm. that, but they have done a pretty excellent job at kind of rejigging the bullpen and they haven't given up a hell of a lot. I mean, the Simber trade, they gave up fucking Joe panic and a prospect that nobody had ever heard of. And they even got Corey Dickerson back and we haven't even seen him yet. And then in the next trade, it was um, the Richards trade. It was Rowdy Delez. And it was, you know, someone who quite honestly managed to play themselves off of the roster. Like I think given the season that Rowdy had had and the fact that he couldn't seem to establish himself at the big league level, the fact he doesn't really play a position, he's an okay first baseman, can't play anywhere else. Like the Jays are going to have a whole bunch of guys that they're going to have to add to the 40 man this year ahead of the rule five come the off season. Rowdy Delez is one of those guys who, may have ended up like getting DFA'd. So 
with the emergence of Espinal, who we'll get to in a second here, and Rowdy struggling, the additions of Simber and Richards look even more impressive because the pieces they gave up were just spare parts, right? They turned spare parts into two guys who can actually be meaningful contributors in an area of weakness for them. So I think just A-plus trades so far for uh, for Ross Atkins. And yeah, with Rowdy, we didn't touch on it because we haven't done a pod since the deal happened, but likable. Um, mm-hmm. I always say... You know, probably a little bit more liked by the fan base simply because his name was Rowdy. Like if his name, if his name was Trevor Jones, I don't think people would love him as much no, as they did. I think totally the name and the, like, the yeah, character, right? That that's why people liked it. Rowdy had a cool vibe. Like he, you yeah. know, his name his name's Rowdy, and he's a big lefty hitter. He's a big guy, beard, everything like that. And his story was fantastic too, right? Yeah. Like we all know what he dealt with. You know, his mom passed away, and he came up and had that great hot streak, and it was sweet. And I think you know, any Blue Jays fan would love to see that guy do well. And naturally he gets straight to the fucking Brewers where like every single <laughs> former random good-ish Blue Jays prospect went like Drury was there. Billy McKinney was there. I swear they had more than that too. It's either the Brewers or the Mets. It's like, those are the two teams where yeah. every single one of them goes, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Rowdy pull it together. I mean, like I've seen, I've seen multiple people mention they're like, Oh, maybe we'll look back on Rowdy Telez the same way that people look back on the Minnesota Twins giving up on David Ortiz, and it's like, well, well that's a bit of a stretch. But you know, yeah. he's good. Like he's got he's is all of his peripherals are amazing. It's the ball hard, does this and that, but he just has never been able to put together at the big league level. And like Jays are contending, they're trying to win. They can't, you know, sit around and let guys try and figure it out all year. And I think the trade was quite good. Richards, solid pitcher, and that's what they need. Is what it Thanks. is. And it goes back to having versatility as well. Like we saw Biggio play first base today. We've seen Guriel get reps down there. Like they have guys that can move around the diamond and it makes trading a guy like Talez a lot more, a lot easier to stomach from, mm-hmm. from a fan perspective where you can kind of go like, I mean, one, he wasn't even on the major league roster. So there's that. But even if he was, you would kind of go like, they got enough guys who can sort of rejig things and fill in. And Vlad's also clearly determined to play every single game this year. So having, <laughs> having a backup Vlad isn't even that important. Uh, let's keep moving on on the ups and we'll wrap it up with uh, Santiago Espinal, who every time it feels like I've watched this guy this year, I've sat there and gone, why isn't he playing more? Because he went three for four in the finale of this series. He's batting like, Three or I have it right here. He's batting 306 this season. I don't know if that includes today or not, though, on baseball reference. Now with his three hit. Oh, three it was 321? 321 OPS is up to 786 now after the three game hit on Sunday. And that's not, you know, a guy who's only mm-hmm. played a handful of games this year. He has 116 plate appearances and he's batting over 300 this season. And his glove as well is such an asset here. We even saw in the ninth inning today when he runs back into foul territory and makes the over the shoulder catch that I thought he dropped at first and then he just scooped it right up like the defense the bat the speed that he is an absolute perfect bench player and he was really good for them supplying half their hits in the finale against the Rays yeah no seriously I mean every single time I swear we do this like once a month Santiago Espinal has a good like good good few games strung together and we're like why the fuck isn't this guy playing more I mean you also look like even even if he's not really coming up with hits like his defense at third is so good and you look at um, you look at the you look at the stats like the defensive runs saved the Blue Jays the guys they put at third base this year like Biggio's in the red Joe Panic was all the way down in the red like pretty bad stuff and then you have Espinal who's at like plus eight defensive runs saved and it's like why this guy isn't playing third every day given how much of a challenge it's been for the team is, is honestly just beyond me 
Like <laughs> he also just keeps coming up with hits too. I also think that's one of the nicest things about the um, Marlins trade they made, the Simber and Dickerson trade, is they got rid of Joe Panic, who Charlie Montoya was just obsessed with using inexplicably, and it just means that we're going to get to see Espinal more, which is great. I, I I would I'd really like to see this guy playing nearly every day. Yeah, that deal, like especially when you consider who Joe Panic is and what he is as a player, that almost felt like the deal was done, and then Atkins went actually you need to fucking take this guy because it's getting out of hand. Like, I feel like the front office might have like really wanted Espinal to blame more and they just weren't getting their way with it. Um, so like, you know what? We're going to take away your little shiny toy there, Charlie. And guess what? You're playing Espinal now. And and it's been working for him. Uh, th- that's three up, three down. Brought to you by Twig and Berries. Free shipping on orders. Over $75 in Canada. Twigandberries.ca. Uh, let's dig into worth mentioning now and the big one. And it's a couple days old now, but... The idea of the Jays potentially coming back to Toronto, the government announced that there's some, You get, I, again, I'm out in Alberta and we've been open now for like two weeks or whatever the fuck's happening here. Uh, but in Ontario, you guys are in phase three now, which means things are starting to open up a little bit. And part of that is there's maybe a chance that sporting events can return soon. Yeah, it seems like there's been support from the local and the provincial level to allow the Jays to play. But ultimately, and as, we, as it has kind of been all along, even with last year, it ultimately comes down to the federal government, whether they're comfortable having people crossing the border all the time. And the challenge for, so the Jays have reached their 85% vaccination threshold. So they're not the ones that are, you know, holding this back. It's, yeah. yeah. It's the rest of the league. Right. I mean, you just saw, I think the Phillies are well below their 85% capacity and they just had like five guys go on the COVID IL, including um, Aaron Nola, who was supposed to start a game. And there's a whole bunch of teams around. Like, I don't think, the league as a whole is anywhere close to 85%. So I'm a little skeptical that the feds will allow a bunch of non-vaccinated players to come across the border. So that July 30th date that we were all kind of circling and getting hyped about, I think might be a bit of a stretch and we might have to be looking back to late August. Cause then you also have to consider like, okay, the Jays, they have to get the green light and then they have to pick up and move all of their stuff from Buffalo to Toronto, which I mean, it doesn't yeah. seem like that much. It's a, fucking couple hour drive down the street but you're you're moving operations from it's one place to the other it's not easy so i'm I, I think the 30th of july is probably optimistic i had seen some little rumblings on twitter that uh people who you know like work concessions and things like that were getting calls mm-hmm. from their employer being like are you ready to work like can you come back and work if we need you quickly and that kind of thing so that's encouraging but i do agree like they they would have and the Jays are gonna have to do this on their own because I don't think Major League Baseball is gonna be too much of a help. Like I personally don't think they give a shit if the Jays are in Buffalo or Toronto. Um, but you'd probably have to come up with some sort of plan where you know players are being tested right before they get on the plane, right after they land. You probably have to have some sort of agreement where like you're telling the teams coming into Toronto like you are going to the hotel and you're not to be out about similar to what the NHL had to do for the Vegas Golden Knights and Montreal Canadiens, right? They allowed them to go across the, or sorry, Tampa Bay Lightning and Montreal Canadiens and Vegas, I suppose. Um, They allowed them to come across the border and all that, but there were strict rules. You were in sort of that quote unquote modified bubble. So it'll be interesting to see, but I agree with you. I think that July 30th date might be just, just Mm -hmm. a hair too aggressive. Right around the corner. Yeah. Like that's fucking, you know, a little over three weeks weeks away, away, under three weeks away. So yeah, I, I think that's tough, but I, if they're, man, it'd be great though. If they're in the hunt and they're like two games back of the wild card yeah. spot or one game back on like September 1st and they come up to Toronto to like play out the last few series at the Rogers Center, even if there's only like 
whatever would be 30% capacity in there. It would just, it would feel like a packed house yeah. again, similar to what we saw in Montreal for the Stanley cup finals. Cause what it would be is the date they're looking at the, the kind of, so what it is right now is the 30th to come back. It's three against Kansas city. And that's the long weekend, the August long, and then yeah. it's Cleveland and Boston. So that's a pretty exciting stretch. And they hit the road for a couple of weeks on their back on the 20th. And it's Detroit and the White Sox. And I'm thinking like, okay, imagine late August, like August 20th, like yeah. they're right in the mix and they come back first game there in like two years. Like, God, Unreal. that'd be insane. Insane. Unreal. Pop we'll the lid that. off. Yeah. Well, you can't have the dome closed. Otherwise, no, that could... close the dome, which would be fucking hilarious. Just like imagine <laughs> like a rainout <laughs> in a dome stadium because they're not allowed to close it or like fans aren't allowed to be there because it's fucking closed. You would think they'd have to get like some sort of special exemption, right? For it to be like, all right, if we have to close the dome, like there's maybe not that much of a difference here if it's like open or closed or they're like closing half of it to cover the field, but it's still technically open air. It's like a sliver up there. Like, nope, that's outdoors. It's honestly, it's honestly an an absolutely nuts thing to like wrap your head around. Imagine having this conversation two years ago. (laughs) No kidding. Um, Let's talk about some trade targets here. And uh, the big talk last week was the report. I believe it was from John Heyman that the Jays may have interest in Nelson Cruz and acquiring his big bat and tossing him into the lineup. Uh, I'll let you go first because I'm not sure how you feel on this. I certainly have a take on it, but I'll let you go first. The idea of acquiring Nelson Cruz, thumbs up or thumbs down? I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm never going to be totally against acquiring a good player. And Nelson Cruz is good. He's going to the all-star game. He's batting 304. His OPS is two or not two, 927. And he's got 18 dingers for the season. The guy's fucking 40, 40 years old. And he still just like keeps getting better and better and better. I mean, like it's ridiculous, but the challenge is, is I have no clue where he fits on this, on this roster. Like yeah. it's, it's not even like, Oh, the Jays have too many big bats getting another one's pointless. Well, no, that's not the case. You can always get better. Who cares? Like add good players, but the Jays need their DH spot to be open because they have an outfield that consists of George Springer. Who's, you know, been dealing with injuries all year. Randall Greedchuk, um, Lourdes Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez and then Corey Dickerson's going to be healthy. So it's like those five guys, the only way to get them all like four of them, even in the lineup is to have one of them DH. And we we're going to see inevitably George Springer DH a bunch this year. So if you get Nelson Cruz, what do you do with those guys? Are you comfortable with Springer never DHing basically? Are you comfortable throwing Nelson Cruz in left field? He hasn't played in left field since he's in Seattle in 2018. Yeah. He hasn't played a position since 2018. He's been strictly a DH and that, I, I don't love that either because, again, at 40 years old, I'm not just going to be like, hey, Nelson Cruz, I hope you remember how to play somewhere. He was and, never good in the outfield, even yeah. when he was younger. Like, remember his for the Rangers in, uh, what was it, 2011? Oh, uh, yeah. With St. the Lewis. David Fries shit. Was that him? Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's never been good in the outfield. He's not going to be good now three yeah. years up, like off from playing the position. Like, it's a it's a weird situation, but I don't know if they can if they're comfortable DHing him. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? I guess he's also a righty bat though, right? Like if he was a lefty bat, I would be, you know, a little bit more intrigued with the idea, but I like the versatility they have in their lineup with the four outfielders. One of them can DH or you move Biggio to first when Vlad needs a DH. Like there's so many different ways they can construct things. And I worry that if you bring in Cruz, yes, he's a better bat, but he, he kind of hurts your ability to do that a bit. Also spending assets, let's save them for the big bullpen arm. And I understand Cruz may not even cost that much to acquire but i do still think there would be a team on the playoff bubble who would probably outbid you if you're the toronto blue jays considering that cruise isn't really a need so i like the idea of getting stronger you know if if we're talking kyle seager chris bryant someone who can play third base on top of being a good bat to add then i'm all for it 
I'm just, I don't think Nelson Cruz is the area to be shopping right now. I think you still got to focus on getting a couple or one or two more arms, one of which being like a real impact arm. And I'm just not sure if adding a strictly DH to this lineup actually does that much for you. I understand that like bringing a guy into a good lineup will make him a better hitter. It could help you turn over the lineup to the top a little bit more often as well. I'm just not 100% sold on Nelson Cruz. Uh, Let's keep moving on here. How to handle the rotation coming out of the all-star break. And this is a really unique spot for the Toronto Blue Jays. The home run derby is Monday, all-star game Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they have off. And then it's Friday against the Rangers. So hypothetically, you could have Robbie Ray pitching that first game against Texas. And, you know, I I get that maybe you want to rest him a little bit for down the stretch, but if this guy's your ace, he's your workhorse, you should be able to throw him back out there on Friday. And if you do, that means he would pitch Friday. You would also get him into one of the games against the Red Sox in the three-game series, and you would have him for the four-game series against the Red Sox. So you get an extra start out of Ray against Texas, which helps coming out of the All-Star break. Then you would get him twice for some big games against the Boston Red Sox as well. I like the idea of going with Ray once again on Friday. It's still four days rest. It can be done. Are you for or against a camp? Yeah, no, absolutely. Raise the ice. So that's who should start first coming out of the all-star break. I think that's pretty easy for me. I also think this is a nice chance for them to like finally break up the lefty righty combinations they have. Yeah. So they can finally do like Ray, Manoa, Ryu, Stripling, Steven Matt. And actually that's another question is like, okay, is Steven Matt still in the rotation? Are they going to keep rolling with that? Or is, you know, maybe Thomas Hatch down in AAA, his last outing, July the 6th, he pitched five innings, allowed only one hit, no one runs, three walks is a bit problematic, six strikeouts. Is he going to come up and be a starter? Is he going to do what he did last year and pitch two innings out of the pen? I don't know. I think a lot of us are kind of sick of Steven Matz at this point. He was really good early on. Now he's not. And a lot of us are kind of sick of it, but I'm not sure if the Jays are ready to pull the trigger on him not being in the rotation, but I would, I would, yeah, I would guess that he's one of the five coming out of the all-star break. My, my rotation, I think, I, I might ride with Stephen Matz a little bit longer and give him one more chance because he did have the COVID thing early and, you know, maybe he's just struggling to find his form. But I think I would go Ray the first game out. Then I think I'd go Hunjin Ryu the second game out. And then I would go Manoa to give me the big righty. And then from there, you know, throw Stripling and Matz down there. Make sure you never have three righties in a row. But I think you can go Ray to, Ray to Ryu because... They're just so different, right? That it almost doesn't matter that you're, you got two righties and with Manoa just pushes him a little bit further down in the rotation here. And again, ensures you would never have three righties in a row at any point. Right. Or sorry, three, three Three lefties in a row. That's what you mean. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's fair. Fair enough. Uh, Let it, let us know though. Tag us blue Jays nation. What should the rotation be coming out (laughs) of the all-star break? Flood the timeline with it. Let's make this the biggest debate of the season in Toronto. Fuck us up with all this. Throw it all at us. We want like, um, I don't know, Anthony Castro starting the first game out of the all-star break. Let's hear it. I don't give a fuck. Only Simeon Woods Richardson. Let's do it. Who cares? Uh, Let us know. Another big storyline, the draft coming up tonight. Uh, Coombsy, can you give us sort of a breakdown of what to expect this evening? Uh, the Blue Jays will drop a new player that nobody will have ever heard of unless you're like a complete nerd. Yep. And everyone's going to frantically Google the guy's name and we're either going to absolutely love this guy or we're going to absolutely hate this guy. And odds are he's probably going to be pretty good given the team's first round drafting record, to be honest with you. What it kind of looks like right now, I mean, all jokes and bullshit aside, is um, 
So the Jays don't have their second round pick this year as a result of the Springer signing. So what I would expect is they'll draft somebody with their number 19 overall pick. I think that's where they're picking 19 or 20. And they'll probably draft a guy who's projected to go a bit lower so they can sign them under slot and then compensate in the later rounds of the draft with uh-huh. more high slot deals. This is pretty much exactly what they did back in, uh, it was 2018. Jordan Groshans was ranked well below where they selected him and they signed him below his slot value. And then they drafted his high school teammate pitcher, uh, Adam Kloppenstein in the third round and signed him way above his slot value. So that's my guess. We'll see something like that. Something similar. And that certainly worked so out I, for them when they did yeah, it last. Yeah. hundred percent. And so that's basically it. That's the preview for me is I wouldn't expect an exciting, sexy player in the first round. Wait for the later rounds. The Jays will drop some interesting, you know, high school or junior college types and throw money at them. That's when it will be fun. Fair enough. Another uh, another debate that was going around Twitter today, and and we talked about this earlier with Robbie Ray being so dominant. He is the ace now. What's his next deal going to look like? Well, the comparison that kind of stands out for me, and I think at this point might actually be kind of conservative, is um, the deal that the White Sox gave Dallas Keuchel after his rebound season in Atlanta. So Keuchel signed that one-year deal with the Braves uh, 2019 and across 19 starts, put up a 375 ERA, not great, pretty good. And then he signed a deal with the White Sox that was uh, 18 million per over three years. And I think that that's what I was thinking like a couple of weeks ago. And now I think honestly, that looks really conservative yeah. given Ray's been significantly better than what Keiko was in 2019 for Atlanta. So it's like, I don't know, like honestly, at this point, I think he could push the same deal that Hyunjin Ryu got, which was four years, 20 million per 80 mil. Like Ray has all the stuff that MLB teams like, right? Like he strikes guys out. He's not that old. I think he's just turned 30 or he turns. He doesn't turn 30 until October. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, you give him that Ryu deal. I think it makes, I think that's what he'll command in the open market. If the Blue Jays do that, I have no idea, but that's, that's what I think he'll be worth. In fact, he's 30 years old, like five years, a hundred mil. I don't think that's, I don't think that's too far off. Because another comparable is his uh, former teammate from Arizona, Patrick Corbin, who had, it's a bit of a different situation because Corbin didn't go up and down, good, bad, and then bounce back with a different team, blah, blah, blah. But Corbin was pretty mediocre between 2016 and 17, then had that amazing pre-free agency year with the Diamondbacks in 2018, where he put up a 315 ERA, over 33 starts, struck out 11.1 guys per nine, finished fifth in Cy Young voting, and then he got that huge fucking deal with the Nationals. And I think it was... Geez, what 140 was it? mil 140 mil over like six or seven years i think yeah. six years and then you know it worked out for the nationals they won the world series uh right away in his first year and he was great for them during the world series so i mean could robbie ray command that deal maybe i mean at this point if he keeps pitching like he did on sunday that's that's what's gonna happen he's gonna yeah. sign an, he's gonna sign a huge fucking contract i hope it's with the jays but i don't know yeah, I mean, I think that's a guy who I could see them prioritizing, locking mm-hmm. down, obviously. And then you go into next year, man, with with Ray, Ryu, Manoa, maybe a healthy Nate Pearson if he's still kicking around. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, conversation. Yeah. That's that's off-season talk. Uh, right now, though, it's the all-star break in the majors. You got the home run derby Monday, like I said, the game on Tuesday. Vladdy, Teoscar, Semyon, they're all starters. Bo is there as well, representing the Jays. I think we can agree, though, Ray is the biggest snub, but I'm not going to complain because it means he gets to rest for four days and potentially start the first game against Texas. 
Yeah, it's not like disadvantageous to the Blue Jays at all. None of us really need to go and see Robbie Ray pitch one inning in Colorado randomly on a Tuesday and then have to not start until Sunday yeah. or Saturday or some shit. Like, who cares? Actually, the more interesting snub for me is um, is Jordan Romano, who's been really yeah. quite good this year. Meanwhile, Aroldis Chapman's in the All-Star game with like a 4.5 ERA, and he's absolutely been melting down lately, and it's kind of hilarious that he's still found his way in there, but that's just your Yankees bullshit kind of standard stuff, but whatever it's the all-star game it doesn't matter they have three starters and four guys in there can't complain about that yeah uh no one in the home run derby for the jays you still gonna watch it uh, the otani I mean, thing makes me interested yeah i, I want to see will. like what he'll do i want to see yeah it's also the fact that coors yeah like balls you know even if you just make contact with the balls going out of the parks it'll be funny like you can see some guy hit like 753 home runs <laughs> or something on monday night so it's gonna be fucked so i'll i'll, I'll, I'll tune in and watch that why not? Uh, and then we'll be back uh, in the middle of the week. We'll do a little midseason recap of the American League, get set for the uh, you know sort of unofficial second half. I believe the Jays are already at that mark. Talk a little trade deadline, all that good stuff. So look for that pod to drop on either Wednesday or Thursday. But until then, enjoy the All-Star break, Coombsy. We'll talk again soon. That's what Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.